Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Elizabeth Woodson, and today we are doing a cultural roundup. So, uh, let me introduce my co-host. We have Adam Hawkins over here. We have Tamarcus right here, Raglan in front of me. And also joining us, which I'm super excited about, is Chelsea Conway, one of the uh, recorders, engineers, producers. I don't know. You're, you have I many love talents. I love yeah. titles. Um, and so today we're going to be talking about things that are happening in our world. And specifically what we want to do is... Uh, provide you guys, the listeners, with um, an example, a model of how Christians can talk through the things happening culturally in our world. Uh, We hope it's helpful for you. We hope it uh, is edifying. And so uh, before I keep rambling on, let's get into it. We're going to open with the Oscars. If you want to talk about um, maybe the last bastion of the public intellectual, right? It doesn't seem like many people are lauded uh, in our culture as much as movie makers are these days. Uh, they seem to be able to, they still seem to be able to tell the stories that our culture cares about, I guess that's what I'd say. And so I think that's why it's important to talk about the Oscars. So what are people consuming? What is, what's big? What are, what are we talking about uh, in terms of media? And so the best pick noms, when are the, when, Chelsea, when are the Oscars? I think it's, uh, it's either end of March or end of April. Okay. I'm, drawing a blank. That's fine, but they're they're coming up. And so these are movies from 2021 that did really well and that were critically acclaimed. And so here they are with uh, March 27th. March 27th. That's yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So we have Belfast, uh, a movie by Kenneth Branagh about Ireland, which uh, is amazing. Coda. Um, and that's a movie, I think it stars a deaf girl right yep. and uh is it like a coming of age film yeah she she's not deaf she is hearing but her family is all that's deaf. right that's right and so it's about kind of that um that was actually probably one of my favorite movies of the year yeah about her and interactions with them and then turns out she can sing and so that becomes like a driving thing in the movie amazing and her family can't like appreciate that about her you have dry. Uh, you have don't look up, which is a satire about uh, really about the current state of affairs. We could talk a lot about that. You have a movie called Drive My Car, which is a Japanese movie that I've heard is really amazing. I haven't seen yet. Dune, King Richard about the Williams sisters and their father uh, who trained them. Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson, which is one of my favorite directors. Nightmare Alley. I have no idea what that is. And Power the Dog, which was a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. Um. Power of the Dog, which is a Western, but in some ways an anti-Western, uh, yeah. if, you, if you think about it. Kind of turns the genre on its head. And then finally, a Steven Spielberg joint, the West Side Story uh, remake, which I have to say is so incredible for our time. If, if you want to... There's a sense in which, if, if anybody doesn't know West Side Story, uh, it's set in one of the boroughs. I'm not exactly sure where, because I don't remember. 
Um, but you have uh, this racial divide. You have people who fall in love in the midst of it. You have conflict happening. Uh, neither families, you know, uh, approving of their love. And I think in some ways it's a, it's actually a, a classic, so it always rings true, but especially true now when you yep. have racial strife and division, it is a message of hope in, in, in that world. Uh, and so I, anyways, I just think it's beautiful. And it's a Spielberg film, so it's beautiful. Uh, those are the the movies. Any anybody want to talk about any of those films? Mm. Did anyone see any of those films? Yeah, I'm I'm shooting. What was that like? Thirteen. I'm like three for three for thirteen. Okay, uh, I saw most of them. Look, don't look up was yeah. the one that like probably peaked the most. Uh, I found it very interesting for a number of reasons. Right. Primarily. Um, so like watching it, I was immediately right putting it into our kind of perspective of right. the pandemic and um uh politics and all those different things. Um and then I went back and watched the interview and they were actually describing that a lot of uh when that was initially being recorded was um more geared towards um global warming and like climate change and uh kind of advocating for that. But so with that in mind, like it really highlighted to me just like this um kind of consistency within like human behavior of how we respond um, to issues in our culture, right? That there's just like very like spiked, almost like a equal opposite reaction between people who are like for side against the side. And then it just grows into this super, super um, kind of polarity. And we do that in a number of conversations, not just one. And I think that looking at the movie from that kind of perspective helped me see like, oh, like this is a, this isn't just, you know, vaccines, this isn't just masks, this isn't just elections, this isn't just climate. like this is this is how we as a culture are like responding to issues time and time again. Yeah. I think one thing I would say is when you look at the the list, I think right now you may expect to see a lot of cynical films. And what I would say is for the most part they're not. I think Don't Look Up is cynical. Uh, I think Power of the Dog is cynical. Um so I think you have some cynical pictures, but then you don't. Then you have a lot of, like I said, West Side Story has a hopeful atmosphere to yeah. it. You know, at least a part of it has is dealing with love. I think King Richard is a hopeful film. Yeah. Um, and I think Will Smith did a wonderful job in that. Um, Licorice Pizza is like kind of a boy's coming of age tale, growing up, uh, you know, in a town and falling in love and these kind of things. It's sort of a funny film. Um, it's a little bit meandering, but it's a it's a it's a good film, and it's hopeful and it's youthful. Uh, it is calling back to a different time period, but it's still great. Um, I think Belfast has hopeful elements to it, although I haven't wa- I haven't finished it yet, so I can't say. And then Coda, I think, was a hopeful Coda's film, very hopeful. So yeah. it's interesting in the midst of where we are societally that you have so many hopeful stories. Now, I think the one that's going to win, I don't know about you guys, has anybody seen Power of the Dog yet? I didn't watch it, yeah. Yeah, so I think I think it's going to win. I think it basically takes the Western and it calls it ma- toxic masculinity and then undoes hmm. it. It's a story about a closeted uh, guy played by Benedict Cumberbatch who is a cowboy who is awful and mean and sour and represents so much of like that sort of cowboy culture and it says it's coming because he's closeted in his real sexuality he can't express himself and then there is a boy uh in the film who's very meek and effeminate etc who's trying to protect his mom and i won't spoil it for you but um 
it turns power structures upside down. It's very, it's very, uh, it captures the sort of zeitgeist, the moment right now. And so I think in that way, it'll probably win because of that. Um, I think it's an enjoyable film to watch on some level. Uh, but it's also uh, really cynical. So I don't know. It's got great performances. Hmm. I will say that. Um, and uh, yeah. So, you know, whenever we're talking about these movies, guys, and we're trying to think through it, what do you guys try to keep in mind as you're consuming media like this? Some t- look, it's okay to go and just like enjoy a film. I watched uh, Shang-Chi on the plane. I was on a, <laughs> and it was great. It was like Marvel film, you know, yep. it's like, it's fun, whatever. Um, and some of those films say something deeper about society. But when you guys watch film, when you consume media, what are you? What do you look for? How do you try to bring it back to the gospel? How do you? Yeah. You know, for me, I I love stories about people's lives. Me too. And so, you know, as we look at these films and just how they are, like I even think about Coda and just what it means to be um, an able-bodied person with family members who have disabilities, mm. and like how you walk through that. And the struggles of that and the realness of human pain and suffering, but how we're also resilient people who push through those things. And so sometimes I'm just looking for just for me to step outside of my own reality into another culture, into another country or into another person's story. And then even if they're not many times understanding the connections of the gospel and who God is, that you can see that, man, I wish they would have this truth or this is how I would apply it. But sometimes it's just appreciating the beauty of God's creation and just the beauty of film to tell a story, to evoke emotion, and then to leave us sometimes with a call to action of, oh, this is, needs to be my response to society. And that to me, I'm never, I'm never cease to be amazed at the beauty of art to communicate truth, mm-hmm. even if that truth doesn't roll all the way up to the gospel. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Anything missing for you guys from this list? I don't know about missing. I think um, something the Oscars always does is is if you're talking about movies as more of an enjoyment factor, they tend to they tend to highlight the movies that are not not enjoyable, sure. but they're um, more they're just they're trying to say something else besides just like enjoy this movie. Um, and so when you were actually going through the list, I actually most most of the ones I did see, uh, I loved Coda. Coda was great. Belfast was really good, um, but felt. There is a somberness to it because yes. it's in the middle of the the Irish, the troubles. Um, yep. you know, 60s troubles was really bad. Um, and then there's a somberness to Don't Look Up to Me that they're making satire out of, but it's also very sad. And then, um, what was the other ones I saw? Oh, oh, and Power of the Dog, I don't find it enjoyable at all. It's a slow burn yeah, It's a super a slow burn, yeah. And uh, I understand, I think I understand what they're trying to say. Uh, it just was one of those things that I was like, well, I probably would have said it in less time than that movie did. <laughs> like a short film. Um, but it did touch on masculinity. It touched a lot on abuse. And yes. I feel like not a lot of people are talking about that very much. Um, the main character uh, was very young when he had a friendship with an older cowboy. And you could listen to that as just a story. But you also, like, my ears perked up as, oh, you were too young to have known what was happening. Yeah. And now you're in this position, sort of the opposite position. And what you have learned culturally and in your family and in the way you've grown up, you're now taking it on with um, new people in your life. And so I thought that was interesting in that sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think 
Uh, for me, movies, I like the story. I like to hear other sides of the world. I like to hear what other people think. Um, even if I don't agree, it's something to be in their shoes for two to three hours. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I don't know if I could say it was missing. Maybe it should be, somebody can make an argument. I really thought that it was a compelling film considering all that it did. I don't know. Did you guys watch Malcolm and Marie? I last year? Yes. It's great. Uh, that was great. I, for a number of reasons for me, particularly it's, it's black and white, two individuals in one setting filmed during the pandemic. Mm. Um, and everybody that I know who watched it, like we're at the edge of their seats watching it the whole time. And, the, and it was literally a ongoing, one ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but they covered so much ground and it, and it, it really did. It captured your attention and it wasn't um, fast and like all these, you know, kind of things that kind of grip you with a movie. It was two, two very human figures in a very kind of like mundane, I think like he was a filmmaker mm-hmm. and they're like coming home from an award show, mm-hmm. having a conversation. And it was, I don't know, I thought that there was something really, really compelling. And obviously like, you know, Zendaya and uh, Mr. Washington did an amazing job um, carrying it out. Yeah. Maybe that's, if I could throw an honorable mention, um, I, I think that, that film's worth watching. Who watched Tick, Tick, Boom? I didn't see it, mm-hmm. but I heard great things. I loved Tick, Tick, Boom. I thought that was incredible. Um, if you don't like musicals, then you're probably going to be like, no. Did uh, the new Macbeth come out this year? You know, that wasn't... I think it, it's 2022. That was in time for the Oscars, but I don't... They it did get some nominations, but not Best Picture. Okay, okay. But just some other nominations. Same for Tick, Tick, Boom. Like, um, Andrew Garfield is nominated. Okay, that makes sense. Um, has a good chance of winning uh, Best Actor. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a Lin Manuel Miranda mm-hmm. feature. He directed yeah. that. He's been busy. And then yes. he also did Encanto, which he will probably win an Oscar right. for mm-hmm. song. Maybe and then music. he had some part in the other one. What's that? Uh, no. no, the in the Heights, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, he yeah. Did. Well, that was his first. I don't um, know if that was. I don't know that if that's up for year. any. No, it was the year before. Okay. Yeah. Listen, when I heard the Encanto soundtrack on the radio. I was like, they've made it. They've yeah. made, yeah. It. <laughs> made it. We should we don't talk dedicate about a whole, yeah. whole episode to that. I think um, when I'm looking, I'm always fascinated by the fact that uh, the story of the gospel is retold over and over in films, the ones that people love. And I think it's okay to, to show the darker side. Again, I think art... Film that's art communicates something deep about the human condition, and not all things are wonderful. If you told slices yes. of the Bible, they mm. could make for some pretty depressing, scary, rated R films, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yep. I think it's okay to have stories that say something about the world that leaves out part of the story, which is redemptive. But most of the best stories, I would say, I would actually just say the best stories always have a redemptive element, and it's it's fascinating. So like even thinking about like, you know, Harry Potter films or superhero films or any of these films, right? And so one film I think that's missing from here for me was The Green Knight, um, which was a really great movie. Uh, and it's a adaptation of Gawain the Green Knight from mm-hmm. Arthur John Tables. And uh, it's really it's got a sci-fi element to it or fantasy element to it, but it, the story is all about forgiveness. Uh, it's the whole story is about forgiveness. It's really amazing and fascinating. And um, I think it's got a really strong gospel element. It was a great film. Dev Patel plays the the main character, which is super cool. And he does a great job. So that'd be one that I think's left out. Any, any things, books, mu- music, TV shows that you guys would highlight? 
Yeah, I think uh, one of the recent, um, what do you want to call it, entries on Netflix, uh, Inventing Anna. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm think I'm more into like if you give me like a good like we got seven episodes, forty five minute that, mini series kind of little mini series. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm looking for. And I, I checked this one out because uh, Shonda Rhimes uh, was the writer, and she, yeah, she just she hits. So um, I thought one of the things that was so interesting about um, the show, right? So it's about this. Uh, if you haven't seen it, have y'all seen it? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, give me a little uh, summary. Yeah, so um, it's about this uh, girl who's kind of an enigma initially. It's um, based on a true story, right? And it's based on a okay. true story, yes. And you actually can read the article of like the true story that inspired it. Wow. Um, fun fact. But um, she's, you like are introduced to her, she's going to prison. And this whole thing is um, she has this vision. Um, to build this uh, like art um, kind of museum and space in like downtown New York. Um, and you're trying to, there's a journalist that's like piecing her story together and trying to figure out like, who is she? Like that she's asking her closest friends. And even within that circle, there's all these differing opinions. And so um, as you go throughout the show, um, part of the the questions that kind of arise is, because uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, social media and uh, like who we are, how we portray ourselves, like our, you know, our people as they are portrayed, even if they're pretending, are they ultimately as you experience them? Um, you never like you never quite get um, to some of the background pieces till you get to the end. Um, and I won't give that because that kind of gives a story. But it was it was really fascinating considering how, um, yeah, how how far more distant to one another we may feel especially in this age of social media where like i mean you think of there's a lot of people who i mean have you ever met somebody and they like kind of already are like talking about things about you like they're knowing it's like oh mm -hmm. yeah like i saw you on social or i listened to you on the podcast mm -hmm. or you, right like we're so connected without mm -hmm. actually mm -hmm. having an intimate having relationship with each other so yeah i think that's something really interesting about the idea that I know this term is such an overused term, but how inauthentic our current age is. Yeah. All of ourselves are so constructed. If you think about the even the the recent, um, and I don't know how recent it is, but it feels recent, kind of obsession with identity. Mm. It feels so, you have to construct yourself. So think about social media. It's like, are this, this Inventing Anna movie is about this girl who basically constructs a self online, exactly. right? And how many of us are involved in that project? If you're a social media user and you're curating, oh, I want you to see this picture. I want you to see this. This is how I want to dress. I'm embodying this thing. Oh, this is how I identify. I identify in these categories. And it's all this like very constructed self, which I think makes us less authentic than just being who we are in some ways. And so... Um, I, I guess it's strange to say that's the air we breathe. Like that's the air we breathe. That's the air our kids are going to grow up in or the next generation or whatever. It's you literally are told from a young age, you have to, what gender do you want to construct? What sexuality do you want to, do you want to construct? What blah, 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 on and on and on. And then what are you going to portray online and everything? And I just, I think uh, that's celebrity culture now. Yeah. Oh, I want to look like this. Let me go plastic, plasticify myself. I don't know what it is, but let me have all these surgeries to change my identity. You, we now are not just ourselves. We are a carefully cultivated menu of plastic surgeries, of social media 
you know, things of tweets, of sound bites. Yes. And it is, uh, I think, a very sad thing. Yeah. And, and this, one of the scary and I think one of the interesting observations this made in the show um, at one point, um, her like lawyers speaking on her behalf and he says, um, the only difference, he was comparing her with another person in history. He was like, but the only difference between her and him and really any of us um, who do what she does is that it worked, right? And so like there's a sense in which you can do that and it works. And yeah, you, that's all, oh, yeah. You get the job or you become the the figure and you get the achievement and nobody ever you know, questions or you just, you become that in a way and people mm. accept it. And it only becomes an issue when it doesn't work. I was going to say, how many times do, like, how many times has that happened that we just don't think about that, Mm -hmm. that it just worked for that person, but we put them on this sort of pedestal almost? Exactly. I mean, you could almost say, back to the movies, if anybody saw King Richard, you could almost say that for, um, I forget, blank, what's his name? Richard. Yeah. Williams. Um, How he got his daughters to where they are, like, it really was just him going in and saying, no, 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 I'm going to force my way in this door and make you coach my daughter in tennis because she's incredible. And then the coaches are like, oh, okay, how many people have asked them and it didn't work or they just were able to brush them off or whatever. But for him, he got in the door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting to think. I mean, I think if you're an influencer on social media and I'm look, I'm not trying to maybe I am. I don't know. I, I want to be honest. But if you're an influencer, that's kind of your job. Yeah. Your job is yeah, to, to construct a self that is... Think about this. It's been probably for 15 to 20 years, but think about how many people try to turn themselves into a brand. We never used to talk that way. You know, It was just like, oh, I'm an actor and I do these films, or I'm, a, I'm thinking about our celebrities, just celebrity exactly. culture a little bit. Like, I'm a this, I'm a that. Now, the goal is to turn yourself into a brand. I'm a fragrance. I'm a magazine. I'm a this. I'm a, it's like total objectification of self. I'm now a brand. I'm bigger than me, you know? And um, man, I just think that is bonkers. It is. Yeah. It's weird, yeah, because before, I mean, influencing was a byproduct, right? Like, I yeah, sure. I have this stage, therefore, right. I, like, influence a mass amount of people. And it's like, no, like, I am setting out to be a person who can influence a lot of people, like, in and of itself. And one of my favorite... To whatever end, right? And one of my favorite accounts, which I'm sure everybody's seen, and I'm not on social media, so I've seen it from other people, but it's called Influencers in the Wild. I don't know if anybody's seen it. <laughs> it's great. But it's taking yeah, pictures <laughs> of people who are trying to be influencers, and it's usually some poor dude who's like taking inappropriate pictures of his wife to post online or so. It's just so bizarre, you know? And when you see them actually doing it, you realize how much of an act it is. Mm-hmm. It's yes. so inauthentic, you know? Well, now with reels and everything, where oh, you're yeah. taking like selfie videos, yes. I mean, it's the same concept where if you saw that person walking around, they're literally talking to themselves right. on the phone. <laughs> And then they're going to edit it and post it later. Yeah. But they look crazy. Here's what's strange. We, being a little older, not all of us, me being the oldest at the table, we hear that and we (laughs) think that, or we see that and we go, that's so strange. It's not. There is a generation behind us who Mm -hmm. sees that and that's just, that's normal. That's normal, dude. It's not weird, you know? that. uh, Yeah, they would hear that and we would sound, I would sound like an old fogey saying the things I'm saying. So, and again, I want to, there's great things about all of this, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, you know, there's good things to do. I love, 
I know that there's an aspect of being able to keep up with friends and family through that and some other things. So yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to drag it all down. I'm just saying we need to be careful. There's you a know, way to be careful about God it. God tells us who our identity is and we're more than what we project. We are. Um, we're also who God says we are and we're our relationships and we're a million other things. So I don't want to get into all that, but yeah. Well, that was a super interesting conversation about media and about some celebrity stuff. I was thinking next, though, one thing we have uh, haven't covered yet and we sort of missed, because I think everybody misses it usually, is the Winter Olympics. Um, but there were some interesting <laughs> things that happened. There were some interesting there was, things that there happened was. from well, mental health ideas to even sort of how we were talking about how horizontal the world's become and yeah. even ideas of nationality. So you had people who were born and raised in America with American citizenship who chose to go and represent China. You know, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Some mixed motivations, like we all have mixed motivations. Some might be for market reasons, right? But others might be because they felt a true connection to that, to uh, their their homeland. But to see how they were received was mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, you had some things there. We had the Russian uh, cheater. I'm sorry, uh, the Russian oh. figure skater who got caught um, doping. There was just a, a lot that happened, actually. It was pretty dramatic. So any stories that popped out to you guys, anything that you think, uh, and I, I please hear me, I say all that in jest, because we want to know as Christians how we're supposed to be thinking through some of these controversies and thinking through, man, the cultural phenomenon of the Olympics, uh, the cultural underwhelming phenomenon of the Winter Olympics. There was something about <laughs> nobody watched this yeah. year. Yeah. But... I love the Olympics. So I love I watched, the Olympics. I watched a lot of it. Uh, I did appreciate Michaela Schifrin's um, whole thing. She basically bombed, in lack of a better word, on all of her races. And um, Twitter at first was kind of like, oh, this is just so surprising. Right. There were a lot of haters. There was a lot of people who just um, were like, let's just leave her alone. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then she came out pretty quickly and acknowledged an underperformance. You know, mm-hmm. she just was like... Not everybody has these kind of days, so I appreciated that. Um, she actually just like week a week or two ago uh, got like fourth place in a in a world a world race, mm. um, and so everybody was like, "Look, I mean, she's still an incredible skier. Right. You can't be like tied to this one performance." Um, and there's a lot of factors behind why she didn't do well and all that kind of thing. But it was just really interesting to see the conversation around um, like just succeeding in something that you should be good and the expectations that people have the like pressure that your country and your team is putting on you the pressure that she puts on herself for being um a world-class athlete that kind of thing so it was it was interesting um still a big fan of hers i watched the olympics um i'm always fascinated by how people do not like the winter olympics i know and then the super bowl came on like towards the end and it was like if anybody was watching they stopped watching Uh in america yeah but I love figure skating, and so to me, it's just be- it's a beautiful sport. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And was really just captured by the story of this Russian girl mm. who, I mean, her skating was just beautiful. She's incredible. I I watched yeah. her performance. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she's a young girl, fifteen, and then towards the end of the Olympics, it comes out like this whole doping scandal, and so to me, I was just really sad for her because she's caught up in a system. Mm. That's bigger than her. Um, and just this dynamic of all the different 
Like you just want it to be this really happy event and we're all here playing sports, but there's other stuff that's happening in the background. Um, and the major stressors on these athletes coming from their country and when they do well and when they don't do well and how their country receives them when they don't do well and just mm-hmm. stories of athletes who were just drugged mm. by mm-hmm. their countries um, or stories of American athletes who took the place of an athlete from their country of origin mm-hmm. and they didn't do well. Mm. And it was like, mm-hmm. just uh, unkind would be a nice word. It's it's fascinating. I love the Olympics. Mm-hmm. I think it's so amazing that people from all over the world, different countries can come together. Most of them amateurs, most of them not professional in the, in the sense that we think about professional athletes and they compete at the highest levels. And there is a way in which, you know, you can't, you can, we can oversimplify it, but there is a way in which these people become these, these athletes, whether it's right or not, they become, they carry more than just themselves and their own performance. They carry the hopes of a nation. I mean, if you think about, like, I'm not going to look at Norway. It's a country of 5 million people, okay? Think how small that is. We have several cities of over 5 million people in our... It's a country of 5 million people, and they dominated. They had the most gold medals and most medals overall. And if they stood up and said, wow, we're so proud of ourselves, and we're like, oh, that's stupid. You shouldn't be proud of yourself. It's just people, just individuals who did in their thing. No, they should be proud. That's amazing that somehow in their culture, in their country of 5 million people, there's a a respect for their the embodied selves, right? That they know how to use their bodies well and all those things, which I think is good and godly. Um, so, I, you know, it runs both ways. And I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not always good to place those strong, you know, country symbolizing expectations on an individual, um, especially when it goes poorly. Uh, and But we also, it's a weird kind of experiment in, in that, whatever that psychology is, because you did have the two, a couple of Chinese athletes, Americans, who went mm-hmm. over and represented in China, and you had the figure skater who did really poorly, and she was torn apart, mm-hmm. just torn apart by the Chinese social media, yeah. whatever their mm, whatever yeah. their Twitter or whatever it is. But then they had that uh, goo, the goo, snowboarder right. did incredible. Who right. did great, and they embraced her. And her right. argument was that she wanted to go to a market that she could excel in, right. and then she did. And then she did, right? And, which is like, is that, how do we feel about that? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, as a Christian, I don't know, it's hard to have a christianly opinion about that i feel like um meaning meaning i don't know that the bible cares one way or the other um i do think um how we should treat these athletes is the most important question that we need to be asking and we do not need to add to the noise that's tearing these people down man i mean it's just it's like you said about shifrin like Man, I thought she showed so much grace. She did. To, she said some incredible things. And to mm-hmm. deal with the pressure of having to go on social media and see people tear you down, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know. I don't know. I can't even remember the name of the the Chinese uh, American figure skater. But I felt my heart went out to her. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. just torn apart, you know. And we've seen that even with the Summer Olympics, right? You know, and so conversations around mental health and um, what's the gymnast's name who. Simone yeah, Biles. Simone. Simone Biles who says, I, I can't saying. do this. I don't feel safe. And then once again, people annihilate her or mm-hmm. try to on social media. And so again, how we care for people 
and don't um, make them represent anything more than they should. Right. Which is just, you're an amazing athlete. We're super proud of you. Right. But I'm not connecting my hopes to you in a way that if you don't fulfill what I want you to do, then my response is to disrespect you and dishonor you on social media platform. That's right. it. Right. You just you just said it. Our response shows what we worship and shows what we're putting our hopes in. Mm-hmm. That's really mm-hmm. true. Um, and so if you're putting your hopes that this person is the justification for your nationality, whatever it is, then you're going to be a, you're going to be a really unhappy person with yeah. people. So yeah. yeah, that's man. I remember when that was all going down with Simone Biles and in the midst of all the hate, she also received a lot of love She did, and her response being like, for the first time, like I just, I felt human mm-hmm. without having to, uh, perform and yeah. like earn. And I think that. That for me is a is a huge thing when I think about athletes in in any regard, especially as they like, I mean to play any to play any sport or to perform at any um, event at the highest level in the world, um, you only can do that, you know, for so long. Um, and I I think it's for us being able to it's it sounds weird because that's just a space where normally it's it's entertainment, right? It's sports. We're mm-hmm. just going there for fun, um, but that's really an opportunity where we get to. Um, recognize the Imago Day of people, um, that they're more than athletes. They're more than just what they can do with their bodies. Um, and that means even the little um, the little jokes and things that we want to put on social media, like that's affecting mm-hmm. a person. Yeah. Yeah, it's a human being. Yeah. Yeah. human. Is there anything you guys want to talk about that we're missing? I want to talk about Kanye. Oh, Kanye. We, we don't talk uh, about Kanye. And I will say this. I um, Kanye's music was a big part of just me growing up. And I earnestly believe he is a musical genius. Mm-hmm. That yes. nobody samples music better than Kanye. Like, it just mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. phenomenal. That being said. Mm. Here it is. Boom, boom, boom. He, <laughs> I believe he is a man who desperately needs help and is not being mm-hmm. held accountable and is being allowed to do some things that are borderline abusive on an online platform as he's dealing with his own issues. Mm. And I think it just is an interesting to watch him and like the microcosm of what he represents and the systems that are allowing him to be who he is. Because if it was anybody else, we would say you need to get help. But he continued because he has power and he has money and he has influence Mm -hmm. that the rules he's allowed to live by and whatever you may feel about Kim Kardashian I don't think she deserves the treatment she's getting online from Kanye when she's trying to mm. be, trying to make a split, has kids. Like, it's this whole thing. And it just yeah. makes me really sad. I agree. Has anybody watched the documentary? Mm-mm. Is it true that he moved across the street from her? Was that? I heard it, but I don't know if it in fact is true. I meant to look that up. I have no idea. I heard Wouldn't he moved, like, literally yeah. bought the house across the yeah. street from her to I heard be the close. Same thing. Am I yeah. think, tell me if I'm thinking about this wrong, because, like, I'm pretty sure when his Christian album came out. The the first one? The first one or the second one? The, the first Christian Follow album. Follow God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we all, I think we had a. We did. We talked we did. about an episode. Him. Yeah. And I still believe what I said then. I do. I think the guy found Jesus. I do. Yeah. I mean, from everything we could see, I don't know him. So it's, that's, I shouldn't. Again, just from an armchair guy. Yeah. And I think what's also probably evident based on what I've seen, again, and read, right? So, again, I take all that with such a grain of salt that he's got some mental health issues. (laughs) Okay. 
And, uh, and I, again, if he doesn't, I apologize and I'm not trying to, but, um, that's what it seems like. And so I'm, I'm trying to think about him as like one, a fellow human being, which is, which is important. A man made in the image of God to a brother in Christ. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to think through it with that lens of saying like, um, you know, just kind of like prayerfully thinking when I see some of the things or pray, just praying for him. I don't know. You know, I want to do that for anybody. That That's any human being, yeah. obviously. But, you know, my heart just goes out to him. I guess that's all I'm trying to say, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think what little I've seen him doing, like the calling out Billy Eilish and all that stuff. I think it's that just the weird. you get, it's like, I thought we, somebody needs to take Twitter take, away from him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, my my whole thing with him. So watching watching some of the documentary, I haven't finished it yet. But one of the first things that has sparked my attention because it's basically a guy who like started. He figured he's like this guy's gonna be great one day, and just like follows Kanye and just continues to film oh, him. So much of it's the the language of like when people say things like, "Oh man, I miss the old Kanye." Mm. Like so much of the current Kanye was the old Kanye. Wow, more than you like his. Kind of that like weird, quirky, like the things he would say, how he would say them. Like that's like you see that and it's like, oh, he's always had that like mm. thing that he has now. Mm. Uh, when he was doing it then, it was with a small group of friends in an apartment off of a grand stage. Mm. And it's like, man, you like scale all of his life now. So not making any excuses for him. But I just right. think about like you go you go through a divorce your your like former wife is in some kind of entanglement with this guy who like uh basically like made fun of your mental health issues on the on a grand stage of Saturday night live mm. I didn't know that you know what I mean like we yeah. don't the things that we got going on in our lives like nobody's all right maybe somebody like talked about millions us in the of office people. yeah but like millions of people in the world laughed alongside this guy as he like poked at you and now he's dating your ex-wife like and you have these mental health like there's just so much of i'm just like man how much does it like a human mm-hmm. being take before anybody starts to mm. you know yeah. do something strange send out a weird tweet um and i think i think it's really easy to sit back and like see and i mean i don't think it's just him i think it's celebrity in general mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like it's easy to sit back and go like why would anybody do that they're crazy and use that kind of language mm-hmm, and it's like mm-hmm. man what would we do if yeah if all of a sudden the kind of things we we're dealing with in life like scaled that high um it sounds like you're saying celebrity is not good for people <laughs> might not be yeah no you don't you don't want that life. lord don't give me poverty don't give me riches right like this mm. i think about the importance of community mm-hmm. with kanye yes um because you're in a situation, and I appreciate you sharing that to Marcus, and, and like he hasn't changed. Because even that, I have felt that. I'm like, oh, I want the old Kanye back. And mm. it's like, he's the same guy. Um, he just has a world stage and no boundaries. Because he can do, because that's what that place provides mm-hmm. you. But just when you need to be around people who can help see clearly for you when you can't see. When you can't see, yeah. And know to that people that you love and that you allow to put boundaries in your life to protect you from the things that you'll do when you're not well. Right. Um, and just, it makes me wonder about his community and about the people who are around him. Because if we can see that something isn't what it ought to be, 
then what is it? And, and I, you can't make a, you know, full blown assumptions because he's a human being with agency. He can do whatever he wants to. But just as the Christian perspective of when we are not well, who do we have around us to care for us? And the importance of not walking by yourself because there are moments you need other people to guide you because you will guide yourself into a hole. That's really good. Like it's that. a like like when you look at these, maybe one of the Christian ways of thinking about things like celebrity and like Kanye's situation is say, what's the lesson to be derived? You know, and I what I totally agree. It's that man, you should never you should always be accountable to other people who have the power or authority to actually do something in your life, yeah. right? Um, you can't just be accountable to people who are yes men or whatever. And I don't, I don't know his situation. I'm just saying in general. And so, yeah, that that idea of God, God tells us to be in community, partially for our own protection, that yeah. very reason. Yeah. So as we think about Kanye and just his situation and just his community and need for community, we think about inventing Anna and this representation of just social media culture and how we are inventing identities online. And then as we think about the movies we watch and the stories they tell, and what's the Christian connection? What's the gospel connection? And I think we can remember, one, that we're all image bearers. And so as we are responding to the people that we're seeing online, we respond with compassion and grace, but also wanting to be in accountability because we know the systems and structures God set up for our well-being, but ultimately that we would be willing to enter into people's stories. We watch to learn, to love, and to guide people towards the Lord. So I hope, we hope, that you enjoy watching movies and some TV and listening to some good music. But as you do so, you think about how they apply to the gospel. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. This episode was recorded and edited by Chris Starrett and produced by Chris Starrett and Chelsea Conway, who happens to be on the show. One of the best ways you can help others find our show is to leave us a five-star review. So please take a minute to rate us. We'd love to hear from you. Another good way to interact with us is by following us on Instagram and by supporting our patron page at patron.podbean.com slash culture matters. 